What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I am Noah Hiles. I'm Bill And Alex, we're just starting the episode, so this would be a good time to fire you. Oh, well, no, I have to finish talking to you. You're the media. Yeah. So. What was that like? Like, tell, tell me your experience. You go to his pregame press conference, and they fire him after said press conference. Yeah, it was it was weird because, you know, pregame for the last game of the season for a team that's not making the playoffs, you know, postgame, we're all going to have deadlines on there. So you're just going to talk about the game. The pregame is the, the state of the union address, pretty much, for the entire season. You know, they asked him, like, what are some things, you know, would the Pirates benefit from adding an element or two? And he's like, yeah, I think they're, we would benefit from adding a catcher, uh, a starting pitcher. You know, and he's giving this list. And I'll be honest, hearing him talk, felt like he did have the the assurance that you were coming back next year. It was weird. It wasn't exactly a very friendly, you know, meeting with the media. Not to say anyone was hostile or anything, but you know, there were some people who had some questions that aren't exactly easy to ask. And, you know, he had to answer them. So I, I, he had the option to manage, it looks like, that final day. So I'm not going to rip on the parts for that. I will 100% rip on them for making him do the media session. No, he didn't. Well, they were going to fire him that day. That was, that was a very unprofessional thing for the parts to do. And that's even looking past the fact that it was Steve Blass's day. And they detracted from the fact that it was Steve Blass's day. Overall, it was unclassy, I guess. I can't think of a better word of that for a dismissal of a man who had given nine years of his life for the parts. And you could feel like Clint Herter was not the best manager for the job in 2020. That's how I felt. That's fine. But you still have to respect what he has done in a Pirates uniform. He compiled a winning record over the course of nine years for a franchise that had gone almost 20 years without a single winning season. He went to three playoff playoff games he or playoff series, three playoff bursts. It was a very unceremonious and I was pretty disappointed with how the Pirates handled that, personally. Yeah, I mean, from afar, I just... I don't get why you wouldn't just wait till after the game. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, part of me, I guess, respects it. Like it's the last. It's the last game of the year. They just say, "Hey, you're not coming back next year." Blah blah blah. But again, like what you said, they took away from Steve Blass, a guy, and you've been hyping it up this whole year. It's been the Steve Blass retirement tour, like Greg Brown's Twitter. That's all they've talked about, and this was his last game. And I know he had the nice send-off with the Newman walk-off home run, and then Saturday they had the bobblehead, and even that got cut short because of rain, though, when they did the ceremony. And I don't know. I mean, it was his last game, and again, yeah, you cucked him. Like, you just you, you just stole his spotlight, and that was stupid. It was stupid that Clint had to do the media thing. If I was Clint, I would have I went no Vaseline ice cube on them, and just been like, you want to know what I really think? Oh, he didn't know? He did not know. From the time that he did that media session to 
whatever the time was, it was like 12 or 136 or something like that. Whatever that time was, whenever the news broke, he was fired in that window. He did that media session assuming or going based on what he thought all along that he had been, you know, all the conversations have been about the future and he is still a part of it. He gave that interview. You, like if he was part of the future of the pirates and if i could just give a conspiracy theory about this is neil huntington meets with the media every sunday and i could personally guarantee you that he was going to get those same questions that clip got in that pregame presser he didn't have to do that interview as a result he just had to talk about clint so I don't know if that played a factor into it. Like, well, I'm going to have to do this interview tomorrow. May as well get off the hook of one awkward one. I don't hate that. I, I really I really don't hate that if that's his move. That's probably the best decision Neil's made in a while. So, <laughs> good on him. Um, to go forward with this, it's ridiculous that he's back. It's just ridiculous. I mean, if you look at his record, his winning percentage during his time here, it's garbage. It's garbage. There, he is the most underperforming general manager in baseball. I know the winning percentage is bad. I am willing to just omit the the John Russell era era because he was rebuilding. He was tearing it down. I I view Neil Huntington the same way with Clint Hurt, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he was garbage and it's like okay you really want to rag on me for a couple 60 win seasons under John Russell fine whatever I don't you for that but I do agree that this is a half measure this is a case of scapegoating I do not know how Neil Huntington goes into 2020 feeling that his job is secure and with that being said that kind of makes me believe I this is no insider this is just no gut feeling right now that someone like Jeff Bannister, who is the experienced manager, who has familiarity with how the Pirates organization runs, is really going to be a front runner, even though he might not be the best man for the job. The, well, we'll just change who's giving the message. Really, half measure. I do not agree with this. I do not agree with just firing one. I thought they were a package deal all along. I- I think when you sign them to extensions the same length, I thought that was implied, that this is a group. And I do judge Neil for the John Russell years. Not necessarily those teams were going to fail, but every general manager normally, when they come into a new team, very rarely do you have a general manager who's inheriting like a 90-win ball club. You know, it's it's always, you're going to start with a rebuild. You, have, you would include that with any other team that a GM, like Theo, when he came to the Cubs, they started a rebuild. Like, you count those years as part of his tenure as well. And that's, so I do count that. I, I, I mean, yeah, you, his, it got real when Clint came in. That's when, like, the culture changed and the big prospects started getting called up. But, nah, I, I mean, it's, it's just a way, we're wasting our time. With him and Coonley coming back, and I know, like, there's been points, you know, Coonley's been able to spin the profit margins and make them money and business deals. I don't think there's one good quality right now about the Pittsburgh Pirates as a business. 
They lack so much awareness, social awareness. They have the worst public standing. Their attendance continually decreases. They're a joke. They're a joke. And I don't see how the guy in charge of running the team from a business side can keep his job. I mean, it's it's literally like, like you said, Huntington or Hurdle was the scapegoat. He was he was the sacrificial lamb, and so was Searage, and both of them had to go. I get that. They shouldn't have been the only ones. I mean, we're watching the American League Wild Card game right now. There are three players that Neil Huntington either drafted or traded for in this game right now. Well, two of them. And Morton, and then Meadows. He traded for Morton, mm-hmm. drafted Meadows, and then Glass now is... Maybe we'll pitch, I don't know. But... There's another one. Robbie Grossman, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, it's just guys find success in other places because he does not have a system that's set up to win. And it's, it's frustrating. I just... This next year, 2020, I don't think it matters what they do. They're going to be, it's just going to be a tough year. It's going to be a tough year, even if they do succeed. It's it's like those three playoff seasons never happened. They're probably lower in public standing now than they were prior to 2013. Oh, yeah, because whenever you went to a ball game in 2010... You're like, well, they're going to get their ass kicked, but, you know, I'll, have, I'll pound a couple icy lights, yeah. you know, 14 bucks in the bleachers. I'll have a grand old time. Now, there is none of that. There is... They have burned that goodwill so quickly. I do not know if they can regain it in the bomb nutting era. Anything short of bomb nutting being visited by three spirits, Ebenezer Scrooge style, and actually fielding a competitive payroll. Who would that? Who would those three spirits be? It'd be McCutcheon. That's the past. Uh, the present would be Brian Reynolds, and then the futures like O'Neill Cruz. See, I was thinking even crazier. Like the past would be. Like Rod Joe Barajas. Rod Bar- a future managerial candidate, Rod Barajas. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this Jason Kendall wants to manage the Pirates story that's been circulating around. Jason Kendall wrote in his book that he doesn't believe in pitch framing. So, no, no, don't want him anywhere close to a managerial. <laughs> We're going to get to so- manager candidates in a second. Um, we talked about the 2020 offseason a little bit. We just kind of talked about it. I was thinking this in, on, in my, uh, on my way to work today. I was thinking. And I really don't know the answer to it. Alex, tell me why. Oh, also, two things. One, first off, pre-2013, people just didn't care about the Pirates. Right now, people hate the Pirates. They 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 went from being apathetic towards they go out of their way to crap on them. Like they, they like the 
the comments on the social media, just, it, it, it's almost like a sport in itself, just hating the Pirates now. So, beforehand they were just irrelevant, now they're hated. That's not good. My second thing I was going to ask you was, I just can't think of a reason why anyone would want to be associated with this organization. And what I mean by that is, no one with talent in their right mind would sign an extension to this team that didn't actually believe in their ability. Like, Newman and, and Reynolds would be nuts. They would be nuts if they, if they I mean, maybe just because they had their one good year, and they're like, you know, I'll take the security. But they'd be nuts to sign an extension with this team. Guys like Josh Harrison and McCutcheon and Marte and Polanco, they signed those extensions because there was a reason to sign those extensions. The, the culture was positive. Even when Kutch signed his in 2012, right before 2012, like, things were right around the corner, and he knew that. They were in, they were innovative. They had a good young group that people believed in. Neil Huntington, he was pulling strings. There's no reason for anyone to want to stick around. Which brings me to Josh Bell. Like, that's an obvious one. Like, he's gone too. So there's no reason why anyone would want to sign an extension, anyone worth talent. Talk about free agency. How the Pirates need to sign these guys. Who in their right mind would want to play for this team? Who would want to go to this? I, 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 they're not going to... There's no way the Pirates are going to offer one player more money than anyone else. The deals that they sign guys to could be matched by any team that wanted them. Any player that they sign, if another team was like, oh, you know what, I kind of want that player, they could provide more money. Unless if it's the Tampa Bay Rays... Or the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, I think even if those two teams, if those two teams really want a guy, they go, they make that happen. And if, if he, if, if he's in their wheelhouse, they will outbid the Pirates for him. So I can't see. And which again, you look at guys like AJ Burnett. Well, he was traded, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a guy like Russell Martin. Russell Martin came here because they had AJ Burnett. The culture was changing. There was so much promise. They were doing things different. No one would want to come. I cannot, I, I could not think, I was in my car. And maybe you have a spin zone, let me hear it. I cannot think why, aside from it being your only option to be a regular starter, why you'd want to come here to play baseball. Well, I mean, the obvious answer would be money. And you already touched on that. But there does come a point where this is the most money. This is the best financial security. Maybe the Pirates offer another year. Another, yeah, I would sign here. Okay, so just throwing out that out there. I, I wanna, I'm going to go back story time. To last offseason, whenever uh, – who was it from ESPN who, who tweeted out that the Pirates were the mystery team in on Machado? I don't know, but I remember that happened. That was weird. That was a that was a beautiful twenty four hours of Pirates Twitter. Like, oh my god, they're gonna get Manny Machado, or they're in on Manny Machado. They're actually they're running out of grounder. Thank God. But it, just what would have happened if the Pirates had signed Machado in that case? 
and Machado has kind of a bad reputation, you know, as a clubhouse guy. I think that's all BS. I think that was just, you know, he went to Los Angeles and, you know, lazy sports writers, the Bill Plaschke's of the world were just looking for a narrative and they went after him. I, I, I think that's all BS. But they had signed him and they had proven we will take care of you as players. We will. We do care about winning right now. That made a very big difference because right now they do not have that. Not only is it a clubhouse where players are fighting with other players and coaches, it is an environment where you go in there and you do not know if you are going to be apart for how much longer. That they could just dispose of you for better for their own financial flexibility. There has been a lot of bad will that has been built up and some of it's on the owner, but a lot of it is on the general manager in the baseball ops. And that's why, I mean, I said this already once, I can't believe that it wasn't a package deal of both Huntington and Hurdle. And I saw you celebrating, so what did Arrays do? Uh, Yandy Diaz just had another home run. Manaya got taken out of the game. What's the score? 4 nothing. Oh, ouch my heart. Um... And then another thing, why would any why would any good analytics person want to come work for this organization? And finally, everyone brings up the manager names, yada yada yada. Like you talk about Jason Kendall, John Wayner. Those are the only guys that are going to want this manager job. Anyone with a re- anyone with a resume is going to want to coach in the other openings. The the guys that are going to get hired to Pittsburgh are going to be people with A, ties to the organization already, and B, someone looking for their first opportunity to be a manager. That's it. They're not going to get, like, a Joe Madden or a Joe Girardi. They're just not. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be someone who, like a former player, who is in his late 40s and looking for his first shot to manage a ball club, or it's going to be a guy that has connections like a Bannister, like a Wainer, like a Jason Kendall, whoever, someone like that. Hell, bring back Pat Mears. I don't know. Just anybody. That's, 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 gonna, that's what it's going to be. Because no outsider worth a damn is going to walk into this situation and think, I can fix this. If they, if they do a little bit of research, they just realize this is a dumpster fire. Yeah, okay, I'll agree that they won't get a Girardi-type person, but I don't think you need a Girardi-type person because I think the best managers in baseball right now, the Kevin Cashes, the the, uh, Craig Councils, the Bob Melvins, they are... Is Bob Melvin a retread, or is this this his first managerial job? I'll look that up. I can't remember. Okay, but either way, you know, these are guys who weren't, you know, big names, and and that's fine. That is fine, but this is where the parts cannot screw up on this hire. They really can't, or else they're going to go even further back. And going back to the baseball ops situation. Hang on. Bob Melvin had two manager manager jobs before Oakland. He was with the Mariners for one season, and he was with the Diamondbacks for five seasons. Okay. 
right, so he, he was a retread. Yes. But baseball logs. Kyle Bodie, president of Driveline, created it. Just signed it on with the Cincinnati Reds to spearhead their minor league pitching department. Chicago was really in on him. Oh, uh, another one of the, the driveline people have been hired by a bunch of different major league organizations these last couple of years. Uh, someone else recently signed. I can't remember his name, but it was with another, you know, analytics, you know, player development role. These are all assistant to the general manager. You know who the Pirates are signing as assistants to the general manager? Dwight Schrute. No. Well, yes. But but Eckstein. Not Rick. David. I mean, which, this is not a knock on, you know, David, because I do not know what his job is, quite frankly. He's the assistant with, to the regional manager. He, he literally, that's, he's the Dwight Schrute of the team. Okay, okay, but this is nothing against David personally. I'm, if he has a job, that's cool. But there are so many of these ex-players in these, you know, special assistant roles. I do not see a Kyle Bodie. I do not see, you know, driveline people. There is no innovative thinkers in player development. And this is the biggest problem with the Pirates because their analytics department, as far as fielding strategies, I think is still pretty good. Their analytics department in player development is garbage. It is garbage. And you can see that whenever they come up to the majors. And you see someone like Tyler Glass now, who no, ma- no amount of strategy, once he's in the majors, he's working for him. He needs better player development. And that's where he goes to a place like Tampa Bay. Bam. Charlie Morton. He goes to Houston. Bam. They have good player development analytics the Pirates do not and that is a major problem that I do not know if Neil Huntington has the capability to fix nope not at all all right Alex so who is your pick to be the next manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates give me one guy you want one guy you think is actually going to get the job uh my, my dream candidate is uh Ryan Christensen who with the Ryan Christensen with the uh, athletics, the bench coach. Okay. Yeah, the young guy. He's I I'm looking for that Bob Melvin disciple. Honestly, he's a, he's gotten to see how you know you're able to bring in analytics into the game. You have one foot in both doors. I think he'd be very good. And for the more realistic one, uh, since we only really know one candidate, who uh, John Morosi tweeted out, I I think Don Kelly would be a good fit. Also, his manager, who's uh, first base coach in Houston right now. So, same situation, has ties to Pittsburgh, fellow Point Park grad with me. Uh, actually played for the Pirates for a cup of coffee. I think, yeah, I think that would be a decent fit, too. I don't hate Don Kelly. And, like, everyone right now is chiming in on Wayner. The media keeps talking about him. Here's why they're talking about him. It's because it's all my former co-workers talking about him, and it's because they're friends with him. That's 100% the reason. He comes on our radio... Not our, I don't work there anymore. He goes on the fan. They have a deal with him. They all grew up watching him play. He's a Yinzer. He's from Carrick. I I don't get what he'd be qualified to do. Like, he hasn't been... He hasn't been... He's been a broadcaster for the last... 
decade plus. So he hasn't been around. Does that mean Greg Brown's qualified to be a manager? I, I, I mean, he was a former player. I get that. And he did. He was like a hitting coach in Altoona. But that's so long ago. They didn't even know what launch angle was back then. I, it's, nothing, nothing that John Wayner says in a broadcast would make me think, hmm, he's a modern baseball mind that I want to move my organization forward. Or I guess the best comp would be uh, Aaron Boone. And then was in the media for a long time and then just immediately plopped into a manager's role. And I think we're going to see more managers like that in the future. Just the people who are like, yeah, I'll just be a mouthpiece for the front office. I'll be a surrogate. You know, I've been, I know how to do it. I think the days of, you know, you played and then you coached in the minor leagues for a little bit and then you became a major league hitting coach and then you became the bench coach for five years and then you got your first chance to manage. I think that is going to be a dying breed as far as managerial candidates go. It'll never completely go away, but I think if there were if 30 jobs, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you had that right now, I think 10 years from now, there will be five managers who uh, had no previous major league coaching experience who became managers. I, I think it's going to be 50-50. Beforehand, that was the only way to do it. I think we're going to see more of the Aaron Boone type things. Because like, like you said, to be a manager in today's game, it's the easy, it, current baseball is the easiest time ever to be a manager. Your lineups are made for you, pretty much. You're rotate all. All you're really deciding is when to pinch hit guys, and when to bring guys in. You know when, how long to leave a guy in the game pitching, in in game in game decisions. That's pretty much all you're deciding. Everything else is scripted, and that might even be scripted. That being said, I still think there is going to be a development track. I think there's going to be both. I think you'll see more Aaron Boons. I don't ever think that that will be the main thing because I do think that people like a proven track record and I don't know. I, I, I think I like I said, I think there will be both. Because while Aaron Boone's and guys like that will get jobs, like a Clint Hurdle will never get a manager job and you know, someone who didn't have an amazing major league career and did go coaching the minors. So or like the Don Kellys or stuff like that. These star players They'll find an opportunity in the minors, and then they'll use their connections to get to the top. I think it'll be a little bit of both. My names that I would like to see. I, Joe Girardi has always been my dream candidate. I would just like to see him in a Pirates uniform. Again, that will never happen. I think he'll be the next Cubs manager, personally. And then an ideal hire? or I think Realistic. Realistically, they're going to hire Bannister. Yeah. But I'll give one more. One person whose name popped off the sheet when I saw like the odds, Raul Labanez. That's interesting. I'm not I don't hate that. Or in the same vein of uh, Mark Loretta. Yeah, I who else? I saw another name too. There there were a couple like Who? Moises Alou. There's another yeah. one. Old piss hands. <laughs> Get him in here. And that's a Pittsburgh connection, kind of. Yeah. He played here for a minute. Did he? 
for like a minute. Wait, because his dad played, and his uncle, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Look up. So while you look that up, let's get into the season review. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I feel like we've talked about the Pirates season a million times. Moisey Zalou had five plate appearances for the Pirates in 1990. In 1990? Yeah. What did we trade him for? I do not know. They traded him to Montreal, so... Where, where, was his best, where were his best years? Were they in Houston or Chicago? Uh, I'm lazy, so I'm just going to go by OPS+. Plus. Houston. Houston? Houston. Man, he was a monster in Houston. Dude, how did that those 90s Astros teams never do anything? With Bagwell, Biggio, and, and Alou, and all those guys? I know in the early 2000s they, get, they got going with Clemens and everybody, but... Because they shot the gun, and they really went for it, that first playoff spot. They gave up a lot to acquire Randy Johnson. For the stretch from in like 97, 98, I can't remember which year. And Randy Johnson, of course, you know, pitched like Randy Johnson for two months, and it's the reason why the Astros made the playoffs. But they gave up Carlos Guillen, and they gave up someone else. Like, players that if they would have been on that, you know, 99, 2000 team, you know, would have really opened up the window. I mean, they, they still went to a World Series. And, and again, if you're asking Astros fans, I think that they're all, they're all like, you know what, it all worked out. We're good with what we got, what we got right now and for the next decade plus. Yeah. Did you see Baseball America tweet out, you know, the, the Astros made the Grinky trade because they know their window is closed. And it's like, no, maybe they just made the trade because they wanted to field the best team that they possibly could. The Astros window closing, that'd be like one window closing and like a 100-story a building. It's like, you know? The bare minimum for Houston is like three more years. That is like the floor. At least. At least. Yeah, that's the floor. They're, their best young talent might still not be up yet. Like Kyle Tucker and all those guys that... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Yanni Alvarez or whatever. He's going to win American League Rookie of the Year. Like, these guys might end up being better than... I don't even know. Bregman. It, some of his numbers are better than Trout's. This guy... I mean, they're so good. And I, I, I think if you go sport to sport... I think... If you were a sports fan, you could just pick one team in any sport to root for... For the next decade... I think the Houston Astros would be the best selection. Moving forward. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I can't think of anyone more. By the way, I looked up Maybe the, the Chiefs. Uh, Maybe the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. Just because he's going to be, like, the next Peyton Manning. But it's either that... But as a team, rather than one guy, I mean, the Astros, bare minimum, are going to have three five-war players for the next six years. The Randy Johnson trade, they gave up Carlos Guillen and Freddy Garcia. That's tough. It's almost as tough as giving up Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows. No, no, but that is for a rental for two months. And granted, he went like 10-1 and one down the stretch, but still. 
Yeah. Is it time to get to the uh, the awards? Yeah. Um. Like I said, there's no need to go into great depth about what the Pirates did right and wrong this year because we've talked about it pretty much the entire second half. We pointed out all the flaws. They had four good players this year. They batted one through four in the order. And aside from that, it wasn't great. Elias Diaz, I looked it up. He had a minus one and a half war this season. In my opinion, that should be quadrupled. He had one of the worst seasons I've ever seen a baseball player have with these eyes. If you think about it, how bad he hurt the pitching staff, that's not really even calculated into the war. Like, all the negative wars on the staff, all the negative wars on the staff should be added on to his. Because everyone was so much better with Stallings and Cervelli. It's... What was his weight? What was his WRC plus? Like, 61? Well, first of all, first of all, uh, yeah, wow, spot on, 61. Were you using Fangraphs for? Huh? Were you using Fangraphs for the no, 1.5? No, I did baseball reference, but... Fangraphs was negative 1.5 also, and that takes pitch framing into account, and he was the worst pitch framer in baseball. That's so bad, man. That's so bad. Raised, or Oakland just got a run, by the way. All right. All right. But anyway. Uh, yeah. I'm trying. I forgot yeah. where I was going. Oh, yeah. It's just, it was a nightmare season on the field, off the field, in the clubhouse. The only good thing that came from it was uh, we both got better jobs from it. So yeah. that was dope. Uh, <laughs> um, There's always something to talk about, I guess. And uh, there was like a couple of fun months. May. The month of May was awesome. When Josh Bell was on a tear, that was fun. See, I remember May as whenever they had like two or three relief pitchers who were healthy and good. So the game strategy was, okay. We got to get them the ball. We have to go to literally anyone. Montana's not going to get the job done. So literally, our early strategy of winning is the starter going like six or seven innings. We give the ball to these guys. Anything happens that prevents that from happening, we lose. By like double digits. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was, it was, it was Liriano, and then it went Crick, and then the guy we don't talk about anymore. But like, yeah. it, it was just those three guys, and... If we didn't see those three guys pitch, the Pirates lost the game. Yeah. That was funny. Dude, May was cool, though, because that's when Cole Tucker also came up and Reynolds and, like I said, Josh Bell. May was a good month. I enjoyed May. The rest of the season was awful. All right, so let's just get into it. Alex, who was your MVP for the Pirates this year? I'm going with Brian Reynolds. Okay. Because I, he had the highest man. war. He had the highest war, and, you know, I'm not going to, you know, split hairs over, you know, point whatever it is between him and Josh Bell. But I think Brian Reynolds, more than any other player on the team, showed up, did his jam- damn job. There was so He came up as a center fielder, went to left. Whenever Corey Dickerson went, came back, he went back to right. Whenever he got traded, he went back to left. Whenever Marte went hurt, he went back to center. He played whatever position you wanted in whatever part of the lineup you wanted, and he did a damn good job. Very quietly, one of the better rookie seasons that any Pirate has ever had. 
I just give it to Josh Bell. Uh, the Pirates needed someone to step up, and not saying that Reynolds didn't, he, but they need they needed that to happen for Josh Bell this year. He needed to respond, um, and I think the Pirates. Well, I I do think I do think overall Reynolds is probably the best player on the team. I think Josh Bell is the face of the franchise. The Pirates didn't really have that. They I guess they did with Tyone, but he's not going to be around. So I'm glad that when you see the Pirates logo, people are going to think of Josh Bell. I just think of uh, everything at the All-Star game, the amount of attention he got on media day, the hype surrounding him in the Home Run Derby, and, and when he stepped into the batter's box as a starter for the National League, even if it was as the designated hitter. I don't know. I just remember watching Scott Boris... Like, pimp him out to the media. Just basically, it was like watching Don King promote a heavyweight fight. He became a star this year. Josh Bell became a star. He's not on the same level of notoriety as uh, Mike Trout or uh, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, but he's in commercials. And when they're advertising the game of baseball, they show him. He hit highlight reel type of home runs this year. He's the type of player the Pirates have really wanted for a long time. He might never have a season this good again. I don't think he'll ever drive in 116 runs or whatever he did. But I think Josh Bell showed that he can be a 30-90 guy for the rest of his career. Especially if the baseballs stay the way they are. Yeah, that's going to be a big what Alright, who is your Cy Young? Um, I mean, we both know who the answer is. We can't say it. No. Um, I'll go Nick Birdie. <laughs> he looked good for a month. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. You know who mine is? Who? Steve Brault? No, mine's a weird pick. Uh, Jacob Stallings. Okay. Because he technically pitched, which makes him qualify for this in my mind. And basically, any time I heard a pitcher this year have success, Stallings was right behind it. Yeah. Whether it's whenever Joe Musgrove got hurt, whenever Chris Archer, you know, started his, you know, second half, second half very quiet turnaround. You know, basically all the work. Basically, any time a pitcher had something good going, of course they're going to credit, you know, the catchers, but. Stallings was always brought up, pretty much. So, there were a lot of bad things that happened in Pirates pitching this year. Whenever there was something good, Stallings had his fingerprints on it, so I'm giving him the best pitcher. Award. It's kind of like whenever Ron Swanson won Woman of the Year. <laughs> you know what? Pawnee. I'm going to give my award to Kyle Crick. He didn't throw a baseball, but he threw a lot of hands this year, and I appreciate the guys that he gave the hands to. Or, I appreciate him punching the guy. Um, most Improved. Josh Bell? You see, I was going Kevin Newman. Okay. Yeah. Because Kevin, at the beginning of this year, you know, I I, I hadn't seen him play a whole lot, and what I did see him play, with, I, I wasn't really impressed with. I don't think anybody was impressed with, you know, 2018 Kevin Newman. And based on the pedigree, I always thought, like, okay, this guy is going to be, you know, kind of competing with Cole Tucker. Maybe he has to slide over the second base. 
he proved to not only be a, a reliable major league bat, but that glove shortstop, I think, was kind of undersold. Like, I, I'm not saying, you know, go glove worthy or anything, but, like, he held his own at a very tough position. And maybe, you know, he just were conditioned after years of Jordy Mercer not making fairly mm-hmm. one-step routine plays. But, yeah, yeah, I think Kevin Newman really surprised. He did surprise me this year. He took a bigger step than I thought that, you know, even best-case scenario he was going to. Yeah, I, I can see that. I would say Stallings is another candidate for most improved. Yes. Uh, there were guys that did show improvement. I thought Moran got better. I thought Stephen Brault got better. Um, yeah, there were some improvements. Brault was a lot better, and unfortunately he just ran out of gas at the end, and it's going to make his season stats look pretty garbage. But there's like a 13 start stretch yes. whenever he was like being installed into the rotation to right before the wheels came off where he had like an ERA just under three. He was going five and a third, five and two thirds, which, you know, I'm not going to say he's Cy Young worthy, but it's like, yeah, that's a good back end of the rotation starter right there. That's a really good back end of the rotation starter. Most disappointing player this year. Um, Diaz or Archer? Pick those are my two. Archer, See, I'm gonna go. Archer needed to go. have a season like Josh Bell had. He needed to bust out and be great. He was the opposite. I think this year we figured out that 2015 Chris Archer is dead and he ain't coming back. It's over. We we might be able to see we might be able to see a better form of Chris Archer than we saw this year but he will never be the player that he was for the Tampa Bay Rays, at least not with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You see, I, I saw 2016 to 2018 Rays Chris Archer whenever he ditched the two-seamer. Like, I, I saw basically that, which, you know, that's not worth, you know, Meadows, Glasnow, Boz, but it's like, okay, that's someone I could work with. That is someone that belongs in a major league rotation. The most disappointing, honestly, for me, was Nick Kingham. Oh, because yeah. he's a guy that I thought, you know, really should have won the number five job out of spring training and just crapped the bed all year. Like, I can count on one hand how many times he had, like, a good outing this year. And he got a chance to start again, and he promptly lost it. And I think he was dfa two other times this year, at least one more time. So, I don't know. His, his major league career might be done. Or... On life support. That sucks. Good dude. Yeah. All right. Rookie of the year, Reynolds. Reynolds. When's the last time the Pirates have had two rookies this good? Um, The last time, I mean, I'm going to go batting average here, which isn't great, but the last time two rookies qualified for the batting title and hit 300 were uh, Fred Litton and... I think it was Rice with the Red Sox in 73. Pretty sure it's Rice. I'm not sure, though. That, there's, there's a couple things, that I guess, when you look back at it. The Pirates have always wanted a cleanup hitter who can hit 30 home runs consistently. I think you have that now. Yeah. And they've always needed a leadoff hitter 
and you have that now. So mm-hmm. you got, and I think if they hang on to Marte, they're one through four. I'd put that up with anyone's. It's fine. It's five through nine is the problem. Yeah. And even some of the guys in that aren't the worst. It's just, you know, got to get better. They need to upgrade. Like, I have no problem, you know, with Adam Frazier, you know, being number seven hitter and playing in there. He very quietly had a, a pretty good season. He had 2.2 of- war. His a lot of that guy was just you know playing so much, which which is fine. I mean he, I think we kind of were confirmed of what we always thought of Adam Frazier. It's like no, that he's not how he finished the year twenty eighteen. But you know you give him an everyday starter job, you'll get a slightly above average starter, which is fine. There are so many black holes on that team. Like catcher was just a black hole with Diaz behind the plate, and. Quite frankly, if they do not improve catcher, you know, don't even bother with 2020. They will not go anywhere if they start the year with Elias Diaz as their starting catcher. And I feel bad just saying, you know, catcher's a problem because, again, I just call Jacob Stallings my Cy Young. And, you know, he's basically morphed into Chris Stewart 2.0, which, you know, I think is really good. Chris Stewart with arguably a little better of a bat. Yeah. He, he proved he can, you know, hold his own in the box. But, yeah, there's some parts of this team where it's like they need to improve third base. They need to, And you know what? If you really believe Ryan's the answer, okay, don't don't worry about that. But, you know, call him up. Catcher, they need to improve. They need an outfielder in right field or arguably left field if you want to put Brian Reynolds there. I think Polanco could be that guy. If he's not that guy, though, you need to upgrade that was a black hole for the Pirates also this year. Starting pitcher, you need to add another starting pitcher. This team, I still think, is not that far away. I think they were five players away, and I think one of those players could be coming back from injury, and one of them could be coming back or coming up from the minor leagues you know, next year. So it's really two or three players that you need, but you will not go anywhere without those two or three players. And if they add one more win every month. They still would probably finish in last place. No, they finished with a very nice home, with a nice uh, win total. All right. Best new guy award. This is our final award. Best new guy? Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Stratton. I mean, because the obvious answer is, you know, Brian Reynolds or whatever. I'm just going to use it as, you know, someone who... Came in. I, Chris, I think, has some good slider stuff. I don't think, you know, this last month he was 100%. He was just going out there, and, you know, as one final audition of here's what I got. But, yeah, I would not mind seeing Chris Stratton part of the opening day bullpen next year. I think he has more potential than what he ended up having to show. I'm going to give mine as a tie for best new guy. Uh, Rick Eckstein and Cruz. You beat me on that one. That's a better award. Yeah, Jacob well, Cruz. Yeah. So, uh... That, I, I, I changed mine to yours. That was a better answer. Yeah, they did an excellent job. And, I mean, if you look, I think the Pirates... Here. Did I... It's, um... They scored... The Pirates scored the third most runs in the National League this year. 
this has to be also taken into consideration that they're doing that without their two best hitters from last year. Yeah. And they tied for the National League leading batting average. They hit 265. I know, and I know that's not a great stat, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they didn't hit a lot of home runs, but they're, no. they, they improved on that from last year as well. So, I mean, that's, that's where you need to improve on. They finished fourth in all of baseball, second in the National League in hits. Aside from home runs, they had all the they were in the top five in every category offensively. So I don't know how you could say they had a bad year at the dish. They did a great job. I, I'm excited. They are the rare exception as far as coaching in front office that makes me a bit optimistic about the future. That we can call guys up now and we know they'll probably be able to hit the ball. Yeah. So yeah, and they did it all again without their two best hitters last year, and then. You know, these last two weeks, they were all they're fielding Jake Elmore and Eric Gonzalez every single day. It's like they're five, six hitters. So overall, yeah, they did better than even maybe those stats would indicate. All right, so I had to move. I had to plug in my uh, iPad because it was about to die. So to end the show, I thought we could review our 2019 predictions. All right. I went through and I listened to the uh, old episode. It's a good one. Here were our postseason picks. You ready? Our division winners. I had one out of three correct. I also had I, had... I had three of the five National League playoff teams correct. I said the Braves would be a wild card team. They won the division. I said the Brewers would be a wild card team. They were... And then my division winners were the Cardinals, which was correct, the Phillies, which was incorrect, and the Colorado Rockies, which, yikes. In my American League, I had, the, I had the Rays in the wild card. I had the Red Sox in the wild card, which was incorrect. I had the Astros and Yankees winning their respective divisions, which they, which they did, and I have my Indians winning the Central, which they did not. I owe you a bottle of bourbon, I know. Um... You cleaned up in the National League, Alex. You said Cardinals, Braves, Dodgers win your division, win the divisions, and your wild card was the Nationals against the Rockies. And you said the Rockies just edged out the Brewers. You were just that one pick away from being perfect on the National League side of things. American League, you had the Red Sox winning the Central, incorrect. Indians winning the East, incorrect. You had the Yankees as a wild card team. They won the division, so they are a playoff team. You had the Astros and the Rays in their correct spots as well. Um, your preseason prediction was Yankees over the Braves in the World Series. Do you stick with that? Yep, yep, I do. And I had the Cardinals over the Yankees in the World Series, and I, I, I don't want to, but I will stick with it. We both predicted the Pirates going 85-77. and 77. I... Uh, regressed mine overall record to 84 and 78 just so we could be different, but we were both on the same wavelength that we agreed. The This was a quote from you, Alex. We both agree that this is a team that's good, better than last year. Insert curb your enthusiasm music here. Um, I have some, so I have some good takes and some bad takes. Which ones would you like to start? Oh, well, let's mix them in. Let's mix them in. All right. A good take. 
Both of us predicted the Chicago Cubs missing the playoffs. We said that they would fade down the stretch, which they obviously did. A bad take. This one comes from Alex Stumpf. He said Daniel Murphy is going to thrive at Coors Field. That, that's free fantasy baseball advice. That's a direct quote from Alex Stump. Looked up Daniel Murphy's season numbers. He, he hit 279, 13 home runs, <laughs> drove in 78 runs, and had an OPS of 780. I believe that is four points higher than the league average. Um, and, yeah, 13 home runs at Coors Field. Not great, Alex. I would not say that would have been a good addition to a fantasy baseball team. Can I mention that I quit playing fantasy baseball after I lost my league three straight years? You Buffalo Bills did, yeah. Um, yeah another good take we had. We, Alex, you said the Phillies would miss the playoffs. You were not sucked in to the offseason hype of signing... Andrew McCutcheon and Bryce Harper and trading for Gene Segura and JT Realmuto. You were not fooled. You said this team is not going to do it. You said the Braves were the most complete team in baseball as far as the National League. And uh, you, no, you said they had the best offense. And they had a pretty good offense this year. Um, I foolishly said that the Phillies would have the best record in the National League. Yikes. A bad take on my end. I said the Dodgers won't make the playoffs. I argued that they underperformed in the regular season in 2018, which they did. Which they yes. did. They still went to the World Series, but we're not, you know, that's not relevant. Um, and I, my argument was they were going to struggle with injuries, which is stupid to even try to predict. You can never predict that. And I said that some of the guys, I might have even mentioned one player who finished the year with a nine war um, might have a regression. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, th I said, I said, I, I believe the exact thing was like, I said guys like Bellinger and I'm like, I don't know if it'll be him or not, but one of them's due for a regression. And I kind of like equated it to the Jock Peterson regression from a couple years ago. But even mentioning him, I mean, he was the best player in the game this year. Cody Bellinger? No, he wasn't the best. He had the best, had the highest war. Trout was the best. Mm. Okay, he's he's the best human in baseball this year. Okay, fair. Um, fair. I said the Phillies playoffs. Oh, and then our predictions for the awards. My MVPs were Goldschmidt and Lindor. 0 for 2 there. Alex said Arenado and Trout. You really went out on a limb on that one. Congrats on getting that one right. Um, Trout's not going to win, though. It's going to be Bregman. You think? So, yeah. Is, it's, it's, it's kind of like whenever Jordan was winning all those MVPs, and they're like, you know what? We'll just give it to the second best player. That's, I was going to say that. Is, is, has, have we reached the point with Mike Trout? where he's got LeBron James status, Sidney Crosby status, where they just can't give it to you every year? Yeah, and then just like every three or four years, they'll just make it up. Like, here you go, now you win. See, one. I disagree, though, because baseball doesn't really fall to that standard. Like, Barry Bonds won the MVP. Yeah. 
and there's been other guys who've won like four, five, six MVPs. They give it to the guy who deserves it, unlike other sports. So, I don't know. I still think he wins. Barry right. Bonds was so like legitimately the greatest hitter of all time for like a four or five year stretch because he was roided out of his damn mind. Still. It's like, I guess we got to give him all these MVPs. Look at him. He will fight us if, he, if we don't. Um, yeah. our, my Cy Young predictions were Aaron Nola, yikes, and Garrett Cole. You see, you got one. Well, you had Freeland from the... You picked a Colorado Rocky to win the Cy Young Award. And I even said, I said, you're really, you're, you're really doing that, huh? And he, you were like, oh yeah, he's going to be great. I didn't even look up his numbers. I don't, it doesn't even matter. They're bad. He didn't spend the whole year in the major leagues. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear that L. Yeah, that's I'll, the worst take. of. That's worse than me predicting the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's, that's the worst take I've made all year. And then really, you said Verlander. So. Yeah, we're one, two. One of us is going to be right there. Yeah. Uh, we both had Tatis Jr. and Vlad Jr. for Rookie of the Year. 0 for 2 there. Um, and then our Managers of the Year, you said Snicker and Cash. Both of those could be true. And then I had Cash and Council. So, so. it's definitely going to be Cash in the AL, right? Um, you don't How think- could it not be? You don't think Boone will get it? No. Because of his no. savages? Because of how well he treats the umpires? No. Kevin Cash, yeah. first day off appearance, going up in that. They went up against the Yankees and the defending world champions, and they won the dog fight and got a playoff spot. Yeah. And, and. You, it could be, would be Baldelli, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think you got to give it to him. Because he beat the juggernaut that was the Cleveland Indians. So. Um, I don't feel bad for Cleveland. I don't feel bad for Chicago. They were complacent all offseason whenever they had very pressing needs. Yeah, I know. If Cleveland stayed healthy, that team's still in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, most definitely, but they were banking on just beating up their entire division, and they didn't expect anyone else to rise up and actually punch them back in the mouth. All right, Alex. Uh, final thoughts on the uh, 2019 season? Thank God that's over with. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, it was a bad year. It, can, was, can I it just... was the worst year in Pirates history, I think. No, I mean, there's cocaine trials. and This was uh, worse. I mean, it's up there. You don't need to break out the, you know, a second-hand or take off the suit, shoes and socks to count the number of seasons that are actually worse than this one. This was, quite frankly, one of the worst seasons in Pirates baseball history. Yeah. And... With all the off the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that didn't even actually involve the team, like losing Jason. I mean, this was just a shit year. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Again, we always had something to talk about, but at least now we get to watch good baseball because it's October. Yeah. So that's cool. And uh, we'll we'll keep with the content. I think this is our last weekly show. 
I think we'll check in. I think we'll check in maybe once we get to the ALCS. Would that be fair? Let the di- we'll let the divisional rounds play out, and then we'll let the we'll do a World Series show, and then we'll do a regular a twenty nineteen Major League Baseball season recap. That fair? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, I hope so. <laughs> all right. Well, big thanks to all of you for tuning in this year. Uh, yeah, you guys rock. I cannot stress that enough. The fact that we had no idea what this podcast was going to be at the beginning of the season, what it was going to be mid-season whenever Noah moved. The fact that you people are still listening to this is amazing to me, and I want to give my sincerest thank yous. You guys rock. They do rock. I, 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 I can't believe that people listen to us in general, but especially yeah. considering how bad the season was for the support that we continually get, our numbers, they really, I mean, they went down a little bit, but not to the level that I thought they would with the team playing this bad. So I can't thank you all enough. And another person, another, you, know, you know who also rocks? You know who we also yeah. have to thank? Our friends over at Slice on Broadway. This is the last read for them because we signed the regular season contract. This show is brought to you by Slice on Broadway with locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course our favorite at PNC Park. Slice on Broadway has it all from their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or super delicious subs. Everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. They wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Be sure to check them out. And tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. Be sure to check them out. Enjoy postseason baseball. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Noah underscore Hiles 95 at Alex J. Stumpf. Alex, it was a bad year, but we got through it. We both have a little bit more money in our pockets now. And uh, let's just, you know, enjoy the fall. It's sweater weather, baby. I'm glad I went through the season with a friend. Absolutely. It was a great... It wasn't a good time, but any time with you is a great time, Alexander. And that's my final thought. We sign off, as always, saying, let's go Bucks.